Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can uh, follow us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. Find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. And with us, of course, today, we've got Ishmael Johnson. Ishmael, how you doing? What's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot. Well, yeah. actually, I was actually, about to say your weekend uh, is about to kick off. That, yeah, right okay. when we're done recording. That, that's a total lie. There's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting married this weekend for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll actually have two weddings. So I'll actually have. I was about to say he's not. He's not. He's not projecting bad uh, omens <laughs> for this particular <laughs> relationship. Right. Right. So my family is Christian. Her family is Hindu. My family's from Texas. I, I'm from Coppell. Uh, her family's from San Jose, California. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the most logical thing to do, according to some people, <laughs> is to have two weddings. Right. <laughs> you, so, can't just, you can't just do one extravagant wedding. You got to do two. Oh, no. Can't, can't mix anything. No. But it, it's going to be really great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. But this weekend, actually, uh, a little bit after this podcast ends, uh, I'll edit it, and then I'm heading out to San Jose, California. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's going to be a wild time. Uh, and to be clear, to just be perfectly clear it's the same girl at both <laughs> right i have to clarify <laughs> right i'm not you know everybody everybody's saying you, you only do this once uh okay you know we'll see <laughs> true <laughs> but, hopefully <laughs> hey but, but you know what's funny too uh i'm not the only sports writer from the metroplex getting married actually so ben baby yeah got married true. last sunday and yeah. you know what the other funny thing is Drew Davison over at the Fort Worth Star Telegram got married on Saturday. Oh, wow! It's, uh, it's officially wedding season for <laughs> the entirety of the college football media in the Metroplex. Okay, uh, Ben Baby obviously at the Dallas Morning News. If I didn't mention, uh, so I guess I guess really what we're aiming for here is to at least have two of the top four weddings mm-hmm. of North Texas-based college football sports writers. Right, right. Uh, you know, so so at least going to try to aim for the top three for one of them. Mm-hmm, right, exactly. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll, we'll maybe have Mona do a power ranking afterwards. <laughs> but you got to get like a is there is there like a secret uh, person who went to all of them who was invited to ooh, all of them? Ooh, I, you gotta, then you got to you got to get them on and be like, hey, who was the best? <laughs> who was the best? We'll we'll, uh, we'll do a big in depth investigative piece for sure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, it's a. I don't know, man. It's a. It's a little weird. It's all come. It's all becoming real, right? Yeah, yesterday we went in a, to the church and kind of ran through some things with the priest, and mm. they, they put out, like, the bulletin that has the church order with our names in it. Oh, okay. That, that having the vows written out with our names in it made it a little bit real. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> you know? happy for you. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. And uh, for the record, we will have a podcast next week. Right. Uh, because I will be in here for a couple of uh, a little bit on uh next week and mm-hmm. so we will have a podcast and we'll record something in advance for something the next week when i am completely out of town on my honeymoon so yeah it's uh it's all happening <laughs> speaking of everything happening uh <laughs> a whole lot happening in el paso this weekend so utip quarterback kai loxley was actually arrested over the weekend projected to be the starting quarterback the incumbent starter from last season mm-hmm. um the charges were terroristic threats which can usually just means like sort of verbally assaulting an officer right um and then also uh unlawful carrying of a firearm so mm-hmm. you know it, which could just mean that he was drunk as well while having a firearm doesn't necessarily mean that the gun was illegal um marijuana possession it's always a tough look right and then um suspicion of driving while intoxicated uh now at this time, Kyle Loxley is suspended from the UTEP football team mm-hmm. um, until further notice while they're investigating. Uh, we obviously don't necessarily know how this is all going to play out. We mm-hmm. don't necessarily know how UTEP is going to handle this. Um, but after what was a fairly promising spring, mm-hmm. this is definitely a damper over UTEP right now. Yeah, and granted, you know, they did the smart thing, right? They, they're they going to let the investigation play out. They're suspending them to let it play out, and then they're going to basically washing their hands of it until then. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's, it puts them in a tough spot that we kind of penciled this as their sure thing on offense. Sure. Right. We kind of penciled this like, oh, well, you know, the running back, uh, you know, that's, Especially that's promising. Always hurts. Right. Right. Wadley's hurt. There's some potential there with Hankins, obviously, uh, the offensive line is going to need re- retooling, you know, skill positions outside of that's going to be kind of a question mark, but at least they had Kai Loxley, right? <laughs> that was, that was the thing. Was They're going to have thing. that rushing threat and then the occasional, uh, throw over the top, right? He's capable of that. He's a capable sure. quarterback. 
and now that's thrown into the question mark. So I don't know. Um, uh, Underdog Dynasty over at SB Nation kind of ran through the uh, quarterback depth chart behind him. Sure. And it just does not look very <laughs> promising. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, I guess you're looking at Brandon Jones, senior yeah. quarterback. Jones uh, had a little bit of a flash last season. Yeah. But, I mean, he's not the runner. He's not the athlete. Right. Yeah, which, which I mean, a Daniel Dimmel offense, you kind of want that. You, you need it. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe this is a chance for, especially maybe early in the year, for TJ Goodwin to get in from sure, Fair. Sure, um, You know, he had a really great spring. They're really high on him. Obviously, they want to redshirt him, so we don't necessarily know when we're going to see him. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, especially if there are some issues early. Or or even maybe they wait until the end of the year, starting the last four games. Yeah. Who knows? So it, it definitely throws a wrench in things. Um, you know, I was talking to some people out there. There's some question about whether these charges will stick mm-hmm. um, just because of some stuff procedurally. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and, I mean, again, <laughs> this stuff happens in the, the blink of an eye, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of the time, you know, they try to hit you with a bunch of charges and, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of uh, negotiate you down to, you know, one or two. So we don't necessarily mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. Um, but it's just, it's just disappointing, yeah. uh, you know, because you – again, you come out of the spring. You know this is going to be a major rebuild, but, but uh, you know, hell – Kai Loxley is the the featured player for UTEP Inner Magazine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, spoilers on that part. Um, Yeah. uh, Had a great story written by Adrian Broaddus. You know, obviously that'll still come out. Obviously you'll still get to read that. Right. But, you know, you kind of – it throws a wrench at things. Yeah. That's really the biggest thing is – if you're coming out of camp, if you're Dana Dimmel, if you're trying to build a program that's also very high character, that's very important to them. Sure, yeah. It's just uh, building the culture of the right. program. Even if he comes back and, like, charges are dropped and everything, like... It's uh, there. It's there, right? The culture issue is there. Like, the the the, the uh, perception issue is there, right? Sure. It, there's perception on it. There's, you know, guys in the locker room who, you know, probably look at him a little differently now. Yeah. Like, you know, again, we're waiting for it to play out. But, yeah, there's so many layers to how this complicates things. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> obviously it's just disappointing, too, for a kid who's, you know, the, the son of Mike Loxley, the, mm-hmm. the coach at Maryland, you know, yeah. former offense coordinator at Alabama. Uh, you know, there was some talk, at least, that he could be looking to, to Maryland, mm-hmm. you know, see. It, it, he probably wouldn't play quarterback there. Right. But, you know, that he could join his dad there. And he decides to come back. He decides to kind of be the featured guy in this offense. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Dana Dimmel was pretty clear that we want Kai to be the guy. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't have a great season last year at quarterback. You right. know, he was hurt a lot. He threw a lot of interceptions. Uh, but you kind of felt like, okay – a year in this offense, a year of familiarity. Uh, there are some offensive line pieces that are coming back that actually looked really promising. Sure. Um, as, you know, because they played three freshmen, I think, on the offensive line. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, you're going to get better after yeah. a year of that. Um, and, you know, we picked them to win more than one game this year. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? Take that incremental step forward. Right, and, and uh, you know, he he's said that he wants – Kai has said that he wants to play for a bowl game. We'll see whether that happens. But, right. But, you know, this is a program that's supposed to take a step this year, mm-hmm. and to start like this is definitely disappointing. Right. Well, anyway, moving on from that, uh, we were actually going to primarily talk about this list that the Sporting News put out. Mm-hmm. So the Sporting News went through – I love these lists. This is great off Oh, this content. is perfect. <laughs> it's literally meant to make people mad. Right. And uh, and, <laughs> and I respect I, that, by the way. <laughs> I won't say that this one makes me mad, mm-hmm. but it makes me squint a little. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the Sporting News, uh, Bill Bender, actually a friend of the show over here, uh, he put out his list of ranking college ball coaches 1 to 130 for the 2019 season. And I just want to be clear about how he's evaluating it. Um, how does SN rank these coaches? How do we rank the entire 130 coach field? We looked at career accomplishments, taking into account what they've achieved in recent years. When it got tight, we picked the coach we'd take in a head-to-head matchup. It's not a perfect science, but it's our science, and we're sticking to it. So with that in mind, mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's going to be a huge shock. Number one on the list, Nick Saban. Right. I, I mean, even though Dabo's program is maybe at a better place right now, I don't think that you can argue that Nick Saban is the best coach in America. Right. Longevity right. is on his side. Arguably, greatest coach of all time. Right. I, La- last year in the title game was the first time we've ever probably seen him get, or Alabama under him, get dominated. Yeah. Right, yeah. Since, ever. since, what, 07? I mean, even, like... Yeah. Like, like, like it's, yeah, it's it's a decade of dominance. Like, right, right. I mean, can't argue with that. Every, every stat about Alabama is just so dumb. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, exactly. Every, every stat, I mean... Uh, what was isn't the isn't the stat that Alabama hasn't like lost by double digits to to LSU since Nick Saban was at LSU? It was something like that. Jeez. It, it, I would not be shocked. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, you know this is this is what Nick Saban does. This is what he does at Alabama, and 
Um, you know, it was pretty shocking to see Clemson just blow them out of the water. Sure. Because I don't even think necessarily for the rest of the year, Clemson looked like that kind of team. Right. And <laughs> definitely, I mean, I think some things just went wrong for Alabama and it spiraled. Right. But Clemson was clearly better. Mm-hmm. But still. Nick Saban, number one coach in America. I don't think there should be any question about that. Number two, Dabo Swinney. I don't think there should be any question about that. None. Uh, you know, now it is kind of interesting. Urban Meyer retires. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's at least a conversation for number two if Urban Meyer stays. Um, sure. Competition. You know, sure. Right, right. I mean, because Urban Meyer, of course, has three titles. He mm-hmm. won a title at Ohio State. I think that after last year's title, I think he moved Dabo up to two regardless. Right. Um, but, I mean, Urban... The thing that we forget about Urban is how much success he's had everywhere. Right. right? You know, at Bowling Green, at Utah, he was unbeatable at those places. I think mm. he might have the highest winning percentage uh, among active coaches before he retired. Right. Um, you know, so just crazy good coach. But Dabo, I think, what he's done the last couple of years, he doesn't, like you mentioned, have the longevity, but clearly number two. I don't think anybody's going to argue with him being number two. Right. <laughs> number three is where it gets interesting. Uh, yeah. Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher. <sighs> So here's the argument, right? Here's mm-hmm. the argument. There are only five coaches in college football that have won a national championship. And Jimbo's one of them. Now, yeah. the one thing you obviously say about that, and Jimbo won a style in 2013. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in very recent memory. Right, right, right. You know, it, this isn't, well, this isn't one of those other two guys. Mac Brown, oh, they have him at number 24. Right, which is really high to me. Right. Like, and, then, uh, and then Les Miles, number 30. And I understand that you weigh the title highly, but and, – and part of this is probably just also how we look at their criteria for this list, right? Sure. Because when I'm ranking coaches, mm-hmm. I think that you need to look a little bit more at, one, where they are right now at their stop. Right. Like, I, I don't think that we can look at this through the – how much have they accomplished? Period. Right. This isn't. Uh, I don't think you can consider this an all-time an accompl- uh, a, a a career achievement. Right. 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 Yes. I think that we if really the achievements are recent, like Nick sure. Saban, yes. Sure. But in the case of Mac Brown or Les Miles, right. Maybe more so Mac Brown because Les Miles has been out of coaching for uh, a little has, bit shorter. A little bit shorter. But Mac Brown, yeah. Like his, you can see his Mac Brown's peak and say, okay, that was, was ten years ago. Well, Almost. My, <laughs> my big thing is if you're going to say that winning a title is worth moving you up that much mm-hmm. then they should be in the top 10 also true <laughs> also i mean if we're going there like he wasn't the head coach but i'd say gus malzahn was more yeah. responsible for that title than gene chizik was oh yeah right oh, yeah. And, and he made a title game right and so he's only 19 right and it's like okay well that's your criteria then bump him into the top 10 like right. why not <laughs> right right like why would gus, gus malzahn be behind pat fitzgerald right you know i mean when he's clearly accomplished more so it's just a little bit confusing to me and actually so the second guy on the list from Texas is number nine, mm-hmm. Tom Herman. Right. I don't necessarily have a problem with Herman being number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, you talk about what he did uh, leading Texas to an, uh, a New Year's Six Bowl win mm-hmm. in the Sugar Bowl. You talk about him leading Houston to that crazy great season mm-hmm. where they won, uh, won the uh, Peach Bowl, I want to say it was, right. uh, over Florida State, funnily enough, and Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> but <laughs> I'd probably bump him down a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, the guy who it's a little bit confusing to me that Tom Herman would be ahead of is the next Texas coach on the list. I don't understand him being all the way down at number 12, Gary Patterson. Right. This this, is, this has this to me this is a race, recency bias. Yeah. Like this is like oh TC was bad or quote unquote bad last season. Right. Like <laughs> like they weren't 11 and 3 the year before. Right. And and I mean I don't know, this is just a very confusing pick for me to put them down at number 12 cuz cuz let's look at the list, okay? Mm-hmm. Kirby Smart at number 4. You can make the argument that Kirby Smart has the achievements at this point. Now, Patterson has the longevity, but right. if you want to argue Smart in front of Patterson, I think that's that's fine. And same with Lincoln Riley at number sure. 5. Right. You know, they've done a lot. Chris Peterson at Washington, he has a long track record. Mm-hmm. Perfectly good argument. Brian Kelly, I can't argue. He's at Notre Dame. Like, you're supposed to be nationally relevant. You're supposed to win. You're su- And even when you look back to his time at Cincinnati, it is not anywhere cl- near. He wasn't a dynamite no. head coach. Like, when, when Notre Dame hired him, it was an interesting hire. Yeah. But it wasn't. I don't think anybody saw it as a slam dunk. Well, and I think that you can clearly say that Brian Kelly has been a good hire. He's been a good hire. No, yes, for sure. He's been a good hire. But I don't think, I mean... Again, let's let's go through his last couple of seasons. So obviously they go twelve one last year. Mm-hmm. I mean that's a great. Season. I, th- I think I think that they're giving him the nod for the two, yeah, you know the national, national title, title and then the playoff appearance for sure. So for sure. I, and that's fair. Yeah, but I'd also argue that Notre Dame is a top five job in America. 
Also true. And uh, <laughs> and especially when you talk about resources, because because yeah. you know, twelve one last year, mm-hmm. ten and three the year before, the four and eight, which. I don't get. I don't overreact to a bad season. You know, I mean, right. Gary had a bad season. Gary had a not great season last year. Whatever that mm-hmm. happens, uh, ten and three the year before, eight and five, nine and four. Then the national title game appearance, eight and five, eight and five. That's his time at Notre Dame. So they have those two amazing seasons, mm-hmm. uh, both of which were kind of not marred, but you know, contextualized by they didn't play very good schedules either time. Right. Um, not not that it should be a knock against him by any means, but but I think that. If TCU, if 2014 TCU goes through the schedule of 2012, Notre Dame goes through, <laughs> I think they're clearly playing for a title. And I don't know. I just, to me, I think that one thing that maybe Bill Bender didn't do mm-hmm. that I would like to do is contextualize their programs a little bit more. Sure. Because Notre Dame's a blue blood. Notre Dame's a place that you can win a title. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a very good argument that Gary Patterson is one of the best coaches of all time. And even maybe at his peak at TCU with the way the system works right now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's impossible to win a title, but it's dang near close. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're, Brian Kelly's at one of those places where you can win titles. Number eight on this list, I, this is, I've always thought that this guy was underrated during his time at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Now that he's done it one year at Florida, all of a sudden he's number eight, Dan Mullen. Yeah, that, that's mm. – this seems, this seems like a, a lot of – a lot of uh, – I'm trying to think of a word to, to describe – like – Making up for past mistakes. Yeah. It was like, ah, we didn't consider this guy very good right. before. And it's right. like, oh, well, he's doing good now. He's like, he's kind of just doing what he's always done. Right. Like, I mean, you know, won, how many how many win games? Four they won, they won 10 games? games. Yeah. It's like, okay, he was doing that at Mississippi State. Like, he was right. winning and eight, nine, cared. 10 games. Nobody cared. Right. He had Dak Prescott and nobody cared. Like, right. Right. Except that one year, I guess, that they were yeah, number 2014. two. Yeah. Yeah. They, they went up to number one. Number and, one. And, you know, and. Dan Mullen's a great coach. Yeah. Dan Mullen's an top incredible 10. coach. I, I, I think you could make an argument that he's right on the border of top 10. But I would not. I think, look. <sighs> again, just looking at this list, yeah, right, it's, right, it's, right, just, right. it's just putting him ahead of Patterson to me. Right. Is, is just. I mean, I see three coaches I would put ahead of him outside the top 10 right now. So Who are your three? I'd put Harbaugh, Shaw, and D'Antonio, not even including Patterson. Yeah. Like, uh, Patterson's obviously there too, but um, yeah. I think those four would be ahead of him. Yeah. Um, and and so again, Tom Herman's at number nine. I think that's an okay place for him. I'd have him competing for the top ten. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I think that you could ar- definitely argue that Harbaugh should be ahead of him right now. Sure. Um, you know, David Shaw is a really interesting case for me because he hasn't necessarily had the highs consistently. Sure. sure. But he never has lows. I th- I think that's that's the underrated thing. It's yeah. Stanford. And that that's kind of what got Jim Harbaugh's uh, radar going, right? It's like, wow, right. Stanford's good. And <laughs> right. how how you maintain that. And like that was kind of the impressive thing with Harbaugh was that Stanford was great and they stayed kind of great. Right. And Shaw's just kept that going. Like, right. <laughs> like it, just, it's Stanford and they're good at football. <laughs> just reading through this, 9 and 4, 9 and 5, 10 and 3, 12 and 2, 8 and 5, 11 and 3, 12 and 2, 11 and 2. So his worst season was 8 and 5. Yeah. And they have a brand of football that they play – and it, they've, they're always good at it. It's going to hurt. Like, they're playing them is going to hurt. Right. And they're just going to absolutely brutalize you, and, it's, yeah. and you're, they're going to win eight games. I like, think, they're just going to win eight games a year. I think that you can make the argument that I don't want to go as far as saying that he's trending down, but... I think people are just, I, I think people are just getting uh, tired of how okay they are. Yeah, well, like I think there's like oh that's Stanford they're just a good program. It's just, I, I think that the thing that I look at is that you know it has been since 2015 since they've been to a Rose Bowl. Sure. Now obviously making the Rose Bowl is something that programs aspire to do. Yeah. You know that's a hard thing to do and I'm probably taking that for granted to a mm-hmm. certain extent especially at Stanford. But you know so that would be the one knock that I'd say against sure. them. You know and and Harbaugh, uh, it's really going to be telling how he does this year against Ryan Day. That's they, true. They That's true. really have to win this football game. They need. They need. They, he needs to win against Ohio State. Yeah, like, because I mean, ultimately, they've had playoff cases for several of the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. then got blown out by Ohio State, and that's mm-hmm. just been it. Yeah. You know, and and Harbaugh was brought here to win the Big Ten. Yeah. He was brought here to make the college football playoff. I don't think it'll be by beating, any means. beating Michigan State only gets you so far. Right. Like and congratulations, you beat the team that you're probably supposed to beat. And he's lost like, a couple of times. And he's lost. I was about to say, yeah, yeah he lost his first season. I think the first two seasons maybe. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's like cool. You beat Michigan State. Beat right. the other good teams on your schedule. <laughs> right. Uh, I do like that. There was this crazy overreaction 
to Mark D'Antonio after they went three and nine. Just this crazy. It's Michigan State. Like (laughs) it's not. It's yes. Like there's a no offense. Um, I don't know how many Michigan State fans are listening to this, (laughs) but like they are in a way little brother. No, they, they don't have absolutely. they don't have the resources. Lansing is not Ann Arbor. Right. Like I have a right. friend who lives in Lansing. He's like, I hate it here. <laughs> um, but like, yeah. it, there's so much, so many things counting against Michigan State, and he still has them as the past decade. Michigan yeah. State's been the best team in the state. <laughs> well, and and we talk a lot about the phrase "little brother." You know, when when it comes to, and I'm a by any means, don't yell at me, Aggies. You know, but right. but Texas Tech A&M is is a Constant situation of a team calling another team little brother. Right. This is not Texan Tex A and M. But guess what? Little brother sometimes kicks his brother's right. butt. Like this is this is Texas and Texas Tech. Yeah, you know, right? This, this is like <laughs> this isn't two teams with uh, right. you know similar resources. Right? It's like Michigan has way more right. resources. Like that's one thing. You know, uh, j- just to jump down a little bit to, to Mike Gundy at number twenty, who I think is underranked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oklahoma State is not Texas A and M big little brother. Right. They are Texas Tech. They are. You know, he, uh, not even S, not SMU, but you know that right. level. Right, of, right, right. This is not the same. Right, exactly. <laughs> this is not at all the same. Um, anyway, moving moving actually outside of the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, one other person that I wanted to mention on this list, I feel like is underranked. Uh, I don't understand t- why Matt Campbell's only at number twenty-three. I think that he could be higher than that. That's true. Now, if, if he's you want to one say, spot ahead of Matt Brown, that's kind of ridiculous. right. Uh, Ryan Day being at number twenty-two is also a little bit. I mean, come on, he's a new coach. Right. Like, like, I'm not saying that. I, 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 that's my thing with these new, these rankings with new coaches. Yeah. I wish they would kind of be excluded or kind of purposefully put well, at the back to say, hey, prove yourself as a head coach I first. Will, I, will, I think that I'm perfectly fine allowing a coach like one who we're going to get to in a second on the list, Matt Wells, who last year was coaching. Right, uh, right, yes, yes, yes. First year head first coaches. First time head coaches, and yes. I'm not – I'm not freaking counting a three and zero start at Ohio State. Right, he's yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that was. We all know Urban Meyer was still a practice and all right, that stuff. Right, like, and and I think Ryan Day's gonna be fine. But yeah. like, we just don't know. We're right. ringing him number twenty two ahead of some really good coaches just right. on the fact of him showing up. Uh, okay, so next up, there's a pretty big gap. Obviously, number nine, uh, Tom Herman. Number twelve, Gary Patterson. Next up is number forty one, Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. There's definitely some on the list. Like I don't understand why Will Muschamp's number thirty six ahead of him. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. Uh, but but and I mean, just like there's, at, I will say that's looking at the coaches around him. Yeah, it's, Matt, around I think Matt it's Rule, fair. it's fine. I think it's I think fair. I think you see Will Muschamp, you see a question mark, you see, I mean, maybe a Clay Helton. Right. Right. You really don't know how good he is right now. Sure. Um, don't know about Chip Kelly's stock right now. Right. Um, but I, I I wouldn't, if somebody says, hey, Chip, Ke-, in a vacuum, right. I, you know, who knows? I might still take Chip Kelly. Um, for sure, for sure. And if you want to really rate him on sort of taking into account past success, then yeah. that's totally fair. Sure. So, yeah, I think 41's a decent range. 41's for an all right spot. Uh, number 56, we've got the new Houston head coach, Dana Holgerson, uh, right behind Josh Heupel, uh Jeremy Pruitt being at fifty four is a little. Can I say that? Can I say that fifty six is really low to me for Holgerson? It's it's low. It's low. I mean, again, looking at the ones around him, the the Pruitt one is absolutely nonsensical to me. Yeah, there's. Um, I I mean, I think Derek Mason does a good job. I don't know if I'd have him ahead of uh, ahead of Dana Holgerson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ted Bird had a great year. Brian Harson's a good coach. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like to me, and I like I like Scott Satterfield. Yeah, what makes Scott Satterfield better than Dana Holgerson? Yeah, that's uh, questions like that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Willie Taggart question. right now, R- right? Um, Bronco Mendenhall right now. You know, like I don't know if those guys are. I don't know. If, I'm looking at that range around Matt Rule, and I say, yeah, that's decent. I'm looking at that range around Holgerson. I'm like, he's better than is a little. <laughs> Pat Narduzzi's really high. Yeah. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm looking at the coaches around Holgerson. I'm like, he's yeah. clearly better. I, than I think that he's better than those guys. Um, you know, and and. At the same time, I will say I think that this list, just in general, seems to underrate Group of Five coaches. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. That's there's true. there's that's a fair. huge push towards Power Five coaches. If which, Holgerson was still at West Virginia, would he be higher? Right. And yeah, and I, um, I want to mention this other guy when I when I go to next on our list, but um, but you know I I just look at like Barry Odom's fine. Barry right. Odom's fine. Yeah. You know I mean it. <laughs> Again, Will Muschamp being there, okay. Herm uh-huh. Edwards, I don't know why he's that high on the list. You know, I, I just it's a little bit weird to look at <laughs> where some of these power five guys are ranked. And then Seriously. Bill Clark at number forty six. Yeah. That's really low. He had nothing. 
Yeah. He had you nothing. Had UAB <laughs> was nothing. Right. They and stopped playing football, right, and he right. kept them going. So I, I think, yeah. And, and that's just something that we'll have to take into account, obviously, right, yeah. with, uh, with all this. Um, but uh, next up on the list, number 70, uh, sorry, 76, mm-hmm. we've got Matt Wells from Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great year at Utah State last year. Um, you know, they go 11-2. and two. They I think that people don't understand how bad a program Utah State is historically. Sure. sure. Uh, basically, as soon as Matt Wells showed up as offensive coordinator, they turned around. Mm-hmm. Like, and obviously Gary Anderson helped bring it along, but mm-hmm. but really, when when Matt Wells showed up, they made a bowl game. The next year, they won eleven games, yeah. and then he got the head coaching job. So, and I'm not saying that all that was him by any mm-hmm. means, but you know, this, this is a good coach. And, and the thing that's confusing about this is look at number twenty six. So at number 26 yeah, yeah, is Neil former Troy coach and now West Virginia coach Neil Brown. So I guess my question with all of this is why does he get so much credit for his group of five success to jump up all the way to number 26? And again, even if you want to talk about Scott Satterfield, for example, yeah. I, I don't quite understand why. In comparison to Matt, Bro- Matt Wells? No, to Neil Brown. No, I'm saying Matt, uh, Neil Brown to Matt Wells. Yeah. Are you yeah. comparing the? Are, is yeah, that, yeah. I'm saying, why is he 50 spots above him? 50? I don't know. I think that that's you can say that he's way better. Too, I think you can say that. It, I, th- I think that the the thing is, and you could say you could you could. This is kind of where you should probably contextualize programs. Yeah. Matt Wallace had some lows at Utah State. He oh, had, for sure. he had he had the instant you for know sure. and he had the instant success, and I think his middling kind of averageness after that for sure kind of I mean, it was probably brought up probably brought a narrative that oh it was Gary Anderson's program right. you know maybe right. some noises like that he fixed it with his last year i just i don't think neil brown neil brown didn't have those lows oh for sure for sure but but it's just i don't know why neil brown is getting the amount of benefit on this list of his group of five success that sure. that again i look at even frank solich i i look at um again like i mentioned uh, well, Jeff Tedford obviously wins the mm-hmm. the uh, the Mountain West last year. Scott yeah. Satterfield, I mean, Scott Satterfield is at arguably the best Group of Five program in a, or one of the best in in App State. Yeah, you know why doesn't he get any credit for for doing that? Because he was really the guy who helped them transition from mm-hmm. FCS to FBS and to becoming a uh, a Sun Belt power. Yeah, so I I just that's the thing that's confusing to me mm-hmm. is I don't know why specifically Neil Brown is getting that much credit. Mm-hmm. Like, is Neil Brown a better coach than Dana Holgerson? I think that you can definitely make an argument. Mm-hmm. It's not an argument I would make right. necessarily. An argument that I definitely can't make is that Neil Brown is 30 spots better than Dana Holgerson. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, defi- that's definitely fair. Right. I definitely think, well, also when you consider Matt Wells, whether this is fair or not, no conference title. Oh, for sure, for sure. And and that's something that actually I think that we can, should probably talk about these two guys together, Matt Wells and Seth Luttrell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that they, neither of them won a conference title both of them and and Latrell, I think that you could definitely argue should be a little higher on this list. Mm-hmm. Oh, for because sure. Because I think that he took over a one in eleven program, right. And has had no lull right. since he started building zero. Like <laughs> they were good, right. To great, <laughs> and and actually just nine and four at, was a letdown at North Texas last year, right. <laughs> right? And and a real letdown, yeah, a real real letdown that they didn't win ten games last year. And I think that probably comparing Matt Wells and Seth Luttrell, I think that I would have Luttrell ahead of Wells. I just think I'd probably have both a little higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's probably one where they looked at it and were like, well, they played head to head last year. Utah right. State, be, like it's the same thing. Like playing in the Mountain West and playing in Cuse is the same. Sure. Um, you know, I, and again, you you look at sort of the situation. I mean, Jonathan Smith's number seventy two ahead of both of them. Actually, looking at number seventy three, Kenny Matalolo seems a little low too. I know they've struggled, but he's been awesome for a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, they, both of them are a little low, I, in my opinion. Um, and I do think that I probably would at this moment have Seth Luttrell ahead of Matt Wells because I think that he's built more consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't had the lull. And I do think – I actually give Matt Wells a lot of credit for going to 3-9 and nine and then building it all the way back up. Like, right. he had to start over. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think that you look at what Seth Luttrell's done where they're competing for the conference title. They played in the conference title game two years ago. I mean, I think that there's a very good chance that they can compete and maybe win the conference this year. If he wins a conference title next year, where do you think he is on the list? If, and let's just, for argument's sake, say that he doesn't take a Power 5 job and doesn't like get right. that bump. If Seth Luttrell wins a conference title next year, 
I think he cracks top fifty. Yeah. Well, because I'm trying to because the the challenge here right is there aren't a lot of group of five in general in top fifty. Oh, for sure. But I, you have guys like Bill Clark. Right. I think you, you definitely have... look at Bill Clark and and at him at number forty six. And again, we yeah. think he should be higher. Sure. Um. But but I, I think, think he's that the only, he's, he's, the only, he's the only power group of five coach on the top fifty. Is he really? I, I'm looking right now. That's and I th- <laughs> I think he really that is <laughs> Bill. Crazy. Bill, please. <laughs> oh, he is the only coach in the top fifty in the group of five. No, Jeff Monk and an army. Okay, okay. At but that 15. is at 50. That is, those are the only two. That's, that is crazy. That's incorrect. <laughs> that's wild. And, yeah, and incorrect. Very incorrect. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I, think, that, I think that if, uh, if Luttrell were to win the conference, and, you know, and again, just stay because we wouldn't know what the context would be otherwise, mm-hmm. um, I do think that you have to have them right on the edge of that top 50. I mean, again, you look at 51 Jeff Tedford, 52 Brian Harson. Um, you know, he's right in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that he's a really good coach, and I think that what he's done in North Texas is very impressive. Now let's move on to, to sort of the last group. There are five coaches in Texas that are ranked top 100 or out, or, or number 100 and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 100 is Sonny Dykes. I mean, it seemed a little low for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't have a good year last year. I mean, and he has – I do think it's fair to say that he's underwhelmed most of the places that mm-hmm. he's been. Sure, sure. But like, are, are, behind Lovey Smith, you know? yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> behind <wild>. Chris Ash. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, that's kind of yeah, Chris Ash. That's kind of insulting. I'm sorry, <laughs> Chris. Chris Ash has not been good. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, Rutgers is bad. I like, mean, <laughs> what's more impressive, going two and ten at Illinois or going five and seven at SMU? I right. Mean, you know, I, I even. I mean, I look at that's kind of this, oh, this that's is really wild, it, this is really like we mentioned, a product of them just not really respecting group of five coaches enough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, like Chris Jason Revelle, they want to come on. Yeah. <laughs> what has Chris Ash done at <laughs> Rutgers that's warrants at him being ahead of? <laughs> look at look at Jay Norvell. Right. Uh, Sonny Dykes. Right. Craig Bowl. Like, right. are you kidding me? I'm sorry. That's, that's insane. Willie Fritz. I don't care if Willie Fritz hasn't been great at Tulane. He's a great coach. Yeah. It, it's, it's a little insulting. And, and even then, I mean, Number eighty-one, Jim McElwain over those guys. Too. Oh like, my god! It, I just, I think they're. I think uh, they, they gave him a bump because of obviously winning the the East at Florida two years, right? Like right, they didn't right. back into both of them, right? But you know, it's just, I, uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong, like I think that there's a very fair argument out of those group of five coaches that Sonny Dykes might be, be behind them mm-hmm. because he's coming off of a not very good year. Sure. I think, I think that actually. They're in, in the, the ranking, if in, in just looking at the Texas coaches, right? That's a fine spot. That's right? a fine spot because yeah. again, you're talking Jimbo, Herman, Patterson, Rule, Holgerson, Matt Wells, uh, Seth Luttrell, then Sonny Dykes. It's fine, perfectly fair. Yeah. Uh, next up on the list, number 108, Frank Wilson. We just really haven't gotten to see it as yet. We just really haven't seen, yeah, the successes. Yeah, and I, and now there's. For me, in my head right now, there's definitely some recency bias, too, because yeah. they were so bad last year. Right. Um, and, you know, they might struggle this year. Who knows? Uh, and so he's had some successes. Uh, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do, qu- do a quick Google of their 2017 Yeah. Well, they rankings. went 6-5 and five that year. Right. That was his fir- after his first year, I believe. I think that was his second. First year. or second? I okay. think that was his second. Either year. way, his his stock was high. Yeah, because I think that they went six and six the first year, and they went six and five. Uh, remember, because that was the year they they lost a game because of weather. That mm-hmm. was the Marcus Davenport year, right? In twenty seventeen. Yeah, I'd imagine at that point he was probably like top eighty. I'd guess if they did this list, he was only ninety nine in twenty seventeen. That's a little interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I would have probably had him higher at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just, that was that's interesting because I wanted to compare just his stock in general, right? And it looks like he—I mean—he's fallen about he's fallen about ten spots, so it's yeah. not insignificant. Yeah. Next up on the list, uh, number one ten, Jake Spavital from Texas State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, it's fair. He's—he's he's never you know sort never of been a head coach. Even as an offensive coordinator, he's kind of soured at some spots too. Like oh, A and M sure. fans aren't the biggest fans sure. of him. I mean, something that I'm definitely going to write about is his return to A and M. Yeah. I mean, oh, for sure. That's something that. I think that obviously we've seen in the years since that Kevin Sumlin had a lot to do with everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and seeing him at Arizona without all these resources, you know, maybe this is just a Sumlin issue more than anything. But, right. but yeah, I mean, nobody was sad to see Spavital leave. Even at West Virginia, people weren't, weren't very sad to see him leave. Sure. Now, at the same time, I think maybe Texas State is the perfect type of program because 
maybe the thing with Spavel. First of all, actually, let's let's back up for a second. Mm-hmm. Spavel is what thirty two right now, maybe yes. thirty three at this point. Right. Like he is very young. Mm-hmm. He's gonna 34. get better. Thirty four. Just okay. turned thirty four. He's going to get better. Right. Like everybody kind of goes into all of this with the idea that people are are still. I mean, this is a total tangent, but you know, people people uh, you know with Scott Drew with with Baylor basketball when I used to cover them, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, oh, well, you know, he made this bad coaching decision in 2010. You know, it's like <laughs> the dude was in his 30s. Yeah. You know, like these guys get better. Yeah. These guys get better. And and I think that Jake Spavital will definitely get better. And I think that actually being a head coach might actually be a good role for him because I think he understands the responsibilities of it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's going to get better as a coach. But, uh, but, you know, I do think that at least at his last two stops, there was a certain level of he's a very good coordinator. He's probably at this point not a great coordinator. Mm-hmm. He's probably not changing everything. Right. You know, and, and with both of his stops at Texas A&M at West Virginia, there was a little bit of a ceiling that was a little lower than people wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, plenty of which was not his fault. Sure. Uh, but but it was there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at Texas State, it's like, man, just really want to make a bowl game. Right. You yeah. Know? It's <laughs> like, let's just, let's, you don't need to be great. Right. You, you know, we, we want you to be, we just want to be good. Right. <laughs> we just want to be good. We'll worry about right. great later. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. And obviously bringing in uh, a guy like Bob Stitt to help run the offense is, yeah. is going to help with that too. So I think that is a perfectly fair spot. Um, the bottom two on the list are one after the other. No, number 123, Mike Bloomgren. Number 124, Dana Dimmel. I'd put these guys in sort of the who knows category. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, actually just looking around, the only coach that's behind both of them that coached last year was uh, Brent Brennan at San Jose State. And obviously they were just abysmal horrific (laughs) (laughs) you know and so um you know and and right ahead of them is sean lewis at kent state a a coach in a very similar situation i Mm -hmm. think uh just in terms of having to kind of rebuild everything from the ground up uh a a young offensive mind that i think is uh is gonna do some good things but maybe not as yet Mm -hmm. um so i mean yeah this is kind of the rebuilding coach lane where we don't necessarily know a whole lot and and dana dimmel has more downside history than Mike Bloomgren has. So mm-hmm. I think putting him ahead, even if UTEP is better than Rice is here, which I think they could be, I still think that at this point, it's fair to say that Bloomgren should be ahead of Dimmel. But yeah. they're basically in the same spot. For sure. Looking at this list, who's the coach do you think is going to rise the most and mm-hmm. who's going to fall the most? And and let's just, for the purposes of this, assume that we're talking about this as if all of them are coming back next year. And, right, right. You know, because somebody might fall off the list and they get fired. Right. But we don't want it. Huh. Well, I'll let you go first. Okay, okay. Because um, I'm still thinking. I think that the guy who might rise the most, mm-hmm. I think that Seth Luttrell is the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to make it. Right. <laughs> I think that Sonny Dykes might rise. That's fair. I think that I could they could that. win seven games next year. And all of a sudden, you're talking more as sort of in the average group of American Athletic Conference coaches, mm-hmm. as opposed to being number hundred. You know, because right now, again, he's number hundred. I, I mean, Phil Montgomery's behind him at number one hundred nine. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to see who else from the American is down there. But you know, I mean, if I think that they're going to be an above average American team next year. Uh, you know, I think Shane Bouchelle is going to make a big difference. Yep, Kevin Kane, their, sure. Kevin Kane, their defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. is awesome. <laughs> he's he's awesome. I mean. The funny thing about that team last year is that it was a Sunny Dykes coach team mm-hmm. that could really only defend. <laughs> they couldn't play offense. All right. And now you come in, I think you have a little bit more stability up front. You have a little bit more stability at the skill positions. You have a quarterback who I, at this point, trust more than Ben Hicks mm-hmm. um, to, to make good decisions, at least. Right. I, th- I think that he could rise a good 20 spots if uh, if they, again, just go 7-5. and five. I'm mm-hmm. not asking them to go 10-2, and two, you mm-hmm. know, but I think that... I think that Sonny Dykes, in, with the right situation, could rise a bunch of spots. Yeah. Uh, t- rising. Yeah. Yeah, I, d- I don't want to make the Seth Luttrell picks. It's it's the obvious it's one. Too right? Obvious. We know if they win 10 games, he's in the top 50. Or at least he should be, For probably. Sure. For sure. I'm going to go Matt Wells. Okay. I think that if Matt... W- I think there's there's the caveat of if Tech wins six or seven games. Sure. People are going to look at that and say, wow, this dude took a football program that had an ingrained culture turned it on its side yeah and got better yeah and then they're going to look a little bit back at his Utah State and was like man this guy just kept going like yeah. this guy's just just maintained greatness right and i think that we're i think i mean we should be skeptical about tech right it's a huge sure. change it's a huge culture shift uh it's, it's a uh, somebody not from texas completely different right but 
if he does this well, and, and I, I don't think that Tech was that far away from having a great season last year, barring the Alan Bowman injury. And so I think that they're a little bit closer to being a really good finished product than we probably anticipate. Well, I'll, I'll bring up actually a conversation that I had with Sonny Dykes for the magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I kind of asked them, why weren't they better? Right. You know, why wasn't it a little bit more of a seamless transition? And, and one thing that he brought up was that he said the teams that have the most natural transitions, we're obviously talking about like a Tom Herman in 2015, for example. Right. The teams that have that transition where it's fairly seamless are experienced up front. Mm. And Texas Tech brings back four of their five offensive linemen. They lose their center, uh, Paul Stewars. But you're talking Jack Anderson. Mm-hmm. You're talking Travis Bruffy. You're talking Terrence Steele. Yep. I apologize since I listed all those guys. I can't remember the other guys. <laughs> but uh, but they bring back four offensive linemen. Yeah. They bring back a quarterback that I am sure is is definitely good. Mm-hmm. We'll see whether he's great outside of Cliff Kingsbury. But, I mean, I think that he's very clearly talented. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, Tech fans want me to put him at the top of Texas. I don't know if I'm going to do that as yet. But, right. but I mean, I, and he's coming to a situation with David Yost where I think it's actually going to be not dissimilar mm-hmm. to what he was doing before. So I think he'll be fine. They've, uh, they've got good skill positions outside, especially now that they've got McLean Mannix coming in from Nevada. Uh, and defensively, I mean, the culture is building there mm-hmm. i think that it was building up to last season and now you've got i believe a good defensive mind and keith patterson who's gonna build on that a little bit yeah so the pieces are there mm-hmm. i i don't think that this should be a shock yeah if if they end up winning seven games mm-hmm. or winning eight games uh i'm not picking it right <laughs> to be clear uh, i'm not picking it at this moment because i do think that matt wells is such a culture coach and that doesn't happen in one year mm-hmm. but i do think that uh, that he has a good chance of at least showing some results sooner maybe than expected. Maybe pulling an upset. Maybe you know Alan Bowman having a great game. Maybe yeah. having a great turnover game. I, I, I do think that the path is certainly there for Matt Wells. As far as falling. This is pretty hard. I don't think it is. Really? I think it's Frank Wilson. Yeah. Because I'm, th- I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm Because... Lo- I'm looking at how far he has to fall, right? Yeah. And as far as like him separating himself from Mike Bloomgren, it's like, okay, that's like a 15 to 20 point drop. And I'm trying to think, are there any other coaches where I would take a 15 to 20 point drop? No, and I, think I that's fair. don't think there is except yeah. for him. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause just looking down the list, I mean, and probably going to go eight and four next year or right. seven and five and, no yeah, matter what, like, even if he drops out of the right, top 10, right, he's not dropping to no, 25. And, and, and he's not going to drop <laughs> out. Nor of, should he drop to 25. Right, right. And he's not going to drop out of the top five regardless. Right. Uh, Herman, I mean, again, I think that there is a path to them being disappointing, but it's sure. not a path to him falling further than Patterson, 12. Rule, Holgerson, they're not dropping they're not 20 dropping. spots. The only thing would be if Holgerson just has a miserable first season. But, I mean, come on, they got Derek King. They're not going right. to have a miserable, gonna have a miserable season. season. <laughs> I th- like. I'm looking at the floor for all these coaches, and I'm yeah. like, Frank Wilson has the worst floor. He does. I mean, I think that you look at that schedule because they go on the road to to UTEP. Yeah, I think they go on the road to uh, to Rice. Well, let me pull up their schedule real quick just to take a look. And it's again, it's hard to go. It would be hard to go from one. It's already he's already at one oh eight. Right. Right. But you look at the guys around him. You look at Matt Via toward ULM at UL Monroe. Yeah. Not terrible. No. Philip Montgomery at Tulsa. Not terrible. Uh, you're asking him. You're asking guys like. Uh, Jamie Chadwell at Coastal to jump, you know, make a move up. That's not that's not uh, uncalled for. Jamie Chadwell's a good coach. Uh, Sean Elliott, Georgia State, he's a bowl coach. Like, he's been to a bowl game. Like, this yeah, Eli, Elijah, Eli Drinkwitz at App, App State keeping I, that I think going. That he probably like, will jump. Yeah, so know, it's like regardless. you're not asking the world to move, right, <laughs> right. for that to happen, for him to and, drop. And so looking at their schedule, right, yeah. this first four-game stretch is going to be a nightmare for them. <laughs> uh, they play Incarnate Word to start. Mm-hmm. They should beat Incarnate Word. If they struggle at all, then you start getting worried. Then he might not see week two. I don't think it's going to happen. But it won't happen. But, but, but yes, it, it'll, it'll look shaky. Uh, at Baylor, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Versus Army, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. At UNT, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Then you get UTEP on the road, and you better win that game. Yeah. You better <laughs> win that game. Then you get UAB at home. UAB lost everybody. It's a little unclear what they're going to look like. You do get Rice at home. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Texas A&M. Two Old Dominion, which should be a winnable game, but now it's on the road. Mm-hmm. Southern Miss is a loss. Uh, FAU, we'll see what they look like next year, but that's a tough game. And then at Louisiana Tech, there's not a lot of 
winnable games. I'm on telling that you, man, that's my that's my odds-on pick. Like, I think he's gonna drop the farthest, and I think he has the. If he's not going to drop the farthest, if I'm not calling my shot, I think he has the highest chance to drop the farthest. Yeah. Like, and and the thing is too is that there's kind of two paths, right? Either he drops a lot, yeah, or they're decent and he jumps a lot. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The floor, the floor and the ceiling turns out to be right. really high because it turns out. Oh, it turns out Frank Harris might be just amazing, right? And we might have the second coming of Mini Michael Vick at UTSA, <laughs> right? Like. It's it's who knows right? It's all it's also up in the air, but I just think that there's such a variance in what they could be. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, if they if they go six and six, and Frank Wilson's going to be top ninety, sure, and he'll uh, jump back up, yeah, yeah. easily. Whew. Yeah, that's a tough <laughs> that's a tough situation, and I mean, again, I think that UTSA obviously through all of this should not overreact to anything because you look at that schedule. What are they supposed to do? Right. What are they supposed to do? It's it's just when you're scheduling your non-conference games against Baylor, Army, Texas A&M, and then playing your in-town in rival. that that So many of the kids who go to Incarnate Word mm-hmm. are going to be kids who didn't get a scholarship to UTSA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and that's something that I think you always have to keep in mind mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, Incarnate Word was good last year. Right. They want to share the Southland Conference, mm-hmm. and they've got one of the most exciting young coaches. And actually, actually real quick, okay, they're – out of the group of five coaches, or sorry, not the group of five, the sub-FBS coaches in Texas, mm-hmm. let's try to think of our top five just to rank those. Top so, five. Okay. Let's just – and we, Sub- we don't have to rank them in FCS order. In gen- just FCS? Sub-FBS. Sub-FBS. Okay, so, in general. So, obviously, I think that – and, and let, let's start out by trying to think of it. So, obviously, Fredenberg at UBHB. Yes. Keeler at San Keeler number two. Um, then where do you go from there? Because Colby – Colby Carthol, maybe? Yes, I would I think probably that that's go probably Carthel. tentatively my number three. Right. Um, hmm. It gets hard after that. I mean, then then you've got Morris somewhere. Um, he only has the one year, though. Maybe. You might have, might have Morris on the fringe just because of that one year. For sure, for sure. Uh, where do you put Todd Whitten from Tarleton? He had a great year last year. And, and another one, actually, Adam Durrell at Abilene Christian. <sighs> that's a good one. Actually, this Southland last year, they had a heck of a jump because yeah. Lamar was good too. Aveline Christian was good. Incarnate Word was good. Mm-hmm. And actually, SFA was terrible last year, and it didn't even hurt the conference. Right. Mm, man. I think the top three is pretty clear. Sure. Oh, God. And, yeah. and uh, what? I, Sam hasn't won a – they've won a title? I can't remember. Not under Keeler. Okay. Because they, they, they've been the title games Yes. Now. Okay. So – but, I mean, the product that he's put out, I think, is consistent enough that you still probably rank him ahead of Carthel right now. Right. I think that Carthel might have the highest upside of everybody, just period, in in that sub-FBS group. I you, think so. Uh, man, yeah, it's it's hard after that. Um, I mean, Harden-Simmons coach. Oh, Bill Maskell at, uh, at uh, Midwestern State. Ooh, that's he's, a good one. I, th- I might have him at number four. That's a good one. I might put him at number four. Yeah, they. I mean, they've been consistently in the regular season. The only awesome. reason they didn't probably win a title is because of Carthel. Yeah, like because <laughs> yeah. Carthel and Commerce were that good. Yeah, so I'd yeah. probably put him in number four, um, and then maybe Witten. Yeah, or Durrell. Maybe Witten. I'll probably put Durrell's Witten. more proven, but uh, but Witten's more proven at his school. Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a lot of good coaches in the state. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we might have to we might have to come and retouch that a little bit closer to the season. Yeah, that's, we have a little that's bit more time be, to that's research. Be more that, that was right off the top of our heads, right? So, but it's a, I mean, it's a good time in this state. I mean, I was actually talking to one of my friends uh, just about the Big Twelve in general. Obviously, mm-hmm. Big Twelve a conference that touches the state a lot. Right. There's not really a bad coach right now in the Big Twelve. No, that's like, a good point. No, y- you talk about returning coaches. Yeah. There are six of them, and by far, by far, the worst returning coach is Matt Rule. Yeah, like that's kind of wild. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Matt Rule's on like Baylor's set for like an eight to nine month season. Right, like, <laughs> like, he that's could jump wild. A lot. Yeah, he definitely could jump a lot. That's kind of wild. Yeah, because because you talk about those top guys, it's Herman, Lincoln Riley, uh, Gary Patterson, um, and then uh, Oklahoma State's uh, Gundy. Oh my Gundy! I forgot Mike Gundy. Jeez, um, you know, and then. Uh, Matt Rule. Yeah. Those are, I believe, all the, oh, and then Matt Campbell. Th- those yeah. are the returners. Mm-hmm. So I think that other than Rule on that list, everybody has, not just a case, but I think it, 
I think everybody's pr- pretty clearly top 20. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are four coaches on that list that have a case for top 10. Sure. And then after that, you, you talk about, then rule, rules next, rules mm-hmm. clearly next. Um, and when you talk about the new coaches, Matt Walls, I think, was pretty impressive at Utah State. Uh, Chris Kleiman, he's the one who has the biggest jump, jumping from North Dakota State to Kansas State. Uh, then Neil Brown, I, I think he had a lot of success at Troy, and now he's at West Virginia. I think that's going to be a good situation for them. And so you're talking about maybe the biggest question mark in this conference. I mean, maybe you could say Wells is, mm. but the other is Les Miles, who's won a title. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a good time to be a fan of football in this region. For sure, for sure. Yeah. It's uh, And, again, I mean, obviously, your alma mater, Jake Spavital, has a, has a chance to maybe uh, take him to a bowl game next year. It's going to be a fun year. Yep. Uh, I really would like to see a Dimmel, a Bloomgren, a Spavital have a chance to jump. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's going to be really good for the state if one of those guys can really take a leap. I think that Spavital is probably the most likely of that group just because of where the programs are in their development. Mm-hmm. But it would be really cool to see even more of those coaches maybe make a jump and maybe even make a jump towards competing for a Power 5 job. Right. So, anyway, I think that's probably enough talking. Yeah. <laughs> this is supposed to be a, a nice quick 30-minute pod, and uh, it's turned into a little bit more than that. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Thank you to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. By the way, our magazine, it hits bookshelves real soon. Uh, I believe that it's going to be on physical bookshelves the first week of July. Yes, I think uh, around that time. If you are a subscriber, which I hope you are, if you are not, go to textfootball.com slash subscribe. Subscribe right now. It's only $19.95 plus shipping, shipping and handling for the first year, and you get the magazine shipped directly to your house. You get our winter recruiting mag shipped directly to your house. Mm-hmm. Again, it's 1995. The magazine's what 11.95? Something like that. It like it's a better deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a better and deal than buying both it's, magazines. It's, yeah, both magazines cost more than just getting the dang subscription. Yep. <laughs> you know, and then obviously you get access to all of our exclusive online content. We have a lot of stuff built up for high school right now. We're building up a lot for college right now. Um, you know, Greg Powers with his recruiting section. We've got a lot of high school stats and stuff that's behind the paywall. Um, and on top of that, it's just a great way to help support the brand. We're obviously. You know, we're obviously focused on trying to cover the state as best as we can. And, and you know, I, I made a trip to El Paso earlier this year. I'm mm-hmm. talking about making my trip to uh, to Huntsville for Sam Houston mm-hmm. later. You know, I'm talking about making my trip to Commerce to, to write about some stuff. Like, I want to be able to do this. And the way that we are able to do this best is by becoming a subscriber to textfootball.com slash subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can follow us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. Find all our work at textfootball.com. Anything else? Uh, next time you'll hear you, you'll be a married man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is also one confusion for me because I'll be done with one wedding. You'll be a half-married man? I will not You'll be a fully signed... married man who also has a, another wedding coming up. Right, <laughs> and, and we're doing the marriage certificate at the second wedding. Okay, so you so, oh, okay, so, so, you so, so I will, in man. the eyes of all of us, be a married man. Yeah. In the eyes of the law, not yet. <laughs> in the eyes of... The God that I personally have traditionally prayed to, not as yet. In the eyes of other gods, yes. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll parse through more of that next time. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, for Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan Jayaraja. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be back with you again next week.